Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse Meatball Sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the best the sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round You can find out what it means Everton will break your heart But they're still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues is your weekly show nearing the end of another wild, wild week of Everton Football Club and there might be there might be a new manager at the end of it who knows but getting to this point has been a wild, depressing and quite funny ride at times I'm really to reflect on it Mike Asher joins us to reflect on it Mike, how are you doing? Um, I'm all right. I'm okay. I mean, it's been a pretty wild 48 to 72 hours, all told, hasn't it? I think I've gone from thinking Wayne Rooney was a dead cert to thinking that Vitor Pereira and his massive armband were going to be making it over. And instead now, it looks like he's torpedoed his own chances and it's going to be our Frank Lampard. It's just wowzers. Wowzers. <laughs> Les, Les Roberts is here as well. Can you elaborate on Wowsers, Les? Um, it's terrible, but it's Evan. Basically, it's just it's just another absolute mess from this. I think everyone has called it recently circus of a football club. It's just like the left hand doesn't seem to know what the right hand's doing, and neither have got a clue what the feet are doing. It's just completely all over the job. As Mike said, you know, we went through a bit thinking, yeah, probably got to be Wayne Rooney, then it's probably got to be Pereira. Then it looks like it's going to be Frank Lampard. And it's just like, they're not even really similar, are they, in, in profile or anything. It's just like three fellas who are available, sort of. Well, two who are available, one of you could probably get. Sometime, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe wowzers, is my yeah. my um, assumption there. <laughs> um, but to be honest sometimes with you, maybe, sometimes maybe wowzers, isn't that Sometimes, okay? sometimes right. maybe wowzers. That's how we go. Um, but... My my assumption is that by the time this this podcast goes live, it'll probably be out of date. 
it'll be Mark Hughes tomorrow. And then it'll be Sam Allardyce <laughs> there for that. And then it'll be trying to nab Dean Smith from Norwich because Mishiri's seen him win a couple of football matches. It'll just, it'll keep coming. I, I, I would genuinely be shocked if this is it now. I... If, if it's not Pereira and it is Lampard, do you reckon that's all because of the uh, the graffiti at Goodison? Do you reckon that's, that, that's the new thing now? It was like Martin is out, he got sacked. Pereira out, he wasn't even in, put Lampard in. If that happens, maybe there's some sort of oracle, he spray stuff on the side of Goodison. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, if if that's what it takes, some someone needs to go and write left blonde in on the side of Goodison, and it'll be it'll be grand. <laughs> but no, I think I think to be serious about that for a second, and I don't do it very often, but I don't think that really had very much to do with it. I think what had more to do with it is the fact that Farah Mashiri has promised the job of Everton football manager. I think I've counted up to eight or nine separate individual managers since David Moyes was sacked and not given them the job. That's like you've only got to go back to the Ancelotti one for the farcicalness of the amount of people that were actually offered the job then and didn't get given it. It was three different people, one of which we know was David Moyes, one of which we know was Vitor Pereira. And it's just, it's farcical. I mean, this this week, and I know, we've, I know we've been saying it for a bit, but this week, and I think yesterday in, in particular, when I was watching Sky Sports News and listening to that phone call, I know we've you know, used the, the word circus there, Les, and I think I think we've, we've been close to getting to that point of West Ham when they had people running on the pitch and trying to put flags in and, you know, doing all their madness. You know, Newcastle when they went a bit insane, QPR, Aston Villa, Sunderland. Do you know, do you know, the, do you know those clubs that went, you know, a few years ago, you'd be, you'd be sat there, you know, safe with Everton's 10th place or 7th place finish in the bank from the season before in the summer, and you'd be watching them sack managers and sign mad players, and you'd be thinking, how on earth is it that possible to, to run a club this badly? You know, no, no one can go this wrong, surely. And you'd sit there and think, God, you know, at least, at least we're not that. You know, I, I, I've hated Everton at times in my life. I've loved them a lot less, to be honest, and I've been ambivalent to them a lot of times. But it was—it's only really the last few weeks, and certainly yesterday when I looked at us and thought, "We are an absolute joke. This is embarrassing. We, we are in the position that those clubs that I mentioned were when they sort of were on the way to the lowest ebb. It was just car crash television, and I just thought, "Yeah, that's it. We've done it." We are there now. We are in that bracket. Yeah, we fully are. It, it, we're usually a victim of circumstance, aren't we? Like something mad happens to lose a game or a semi-final or a cup final or something. But this is completely self-inflicted. It, it is proper. You've got a head case owner in and he's doing what he likes and he doesn't really seem to know what to do for the best. It's. It, I mean, people say, you know, he's a successful businessman and all that. So surely you must have some sort of nous on how to run a business. But... For running a football club would be very different to running any other business. But just to run a big business in particular, it just takes a little bit of common sense and he doesn't seem to have anything about him that says he's qualified to run a football club. I think you mentioned, Mike, if, if not for the ground move, we'd probably be talking about him in the same breath as the Venkies because he's that bad. He's absolutely terrible. He's, he's not fit to run a football club. But this, I think that the whole ground move thing is, you know, quite... It's fair enough. It's kind of blindsided us a bit. And while that's been on the horizon, you kind of let the 
I think everything that's gone on on the football side has kind of slipped under the radar a bit. Now, he's done good things at Goodison Park. He's, he's you know, put a lick of paint on that. That looks better than it did. The ground move has been done correctly. Everything has gone according to plan, and that's all on target. But the football's the only thing that counts, and he really has messed that up massively. I think anyone who's been involved at that level of the club over the last five years since he's been there, they're all complicit in letting the football thing fall apart. And, you know, that's all that counts at the end of the day. If we're doing well on the pitch, we're not having protests outside the ground. Even if we've got super agents in the stand and he's in the chairman's ear, if the team's doing well, people aren't really that bothered about that. Um, but when it all falls apart like this, that's when you get this sort of build-up and head of steam and the fans aren't happy. And, yeah, that, that's that's the first thing that needs sorting ahead of everything and it's been let go. I mean, there's been things, Mike, that have happened that we haven't even mentioned that have been, what I mean... Fabio Cannavaro was mentioned as a, a possible candidate last week for our machinery, told Jim White on TalkSport that he's never speaking to TalkSport again. <laughs> I mean, I mean what, 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 what have you made of it all? It's, it's like one of those friends, those friends you see on Twitter, isn't it, from Club X going, this is why we are the legitimate banter club. And it's like, yeah, we could, we could be one of them for this week. <laughs> We're probably <laughs> It's uh, the the breaking up with Jim White on Talksport was just it was it was a classic piece of pantomime. One, it it was one of them things where the discussion was all about um, we want better, good lines of communications with the supporters. Well, first of all, don't bin off the AGM like, that you are doing right now. It's just the whole "I am listening" thing is. Uh, for want of a better phrase, I'm just bored of it. Like, cause I think Matt, you put up a um, a segment of a conversation that Jim White had had. I mean, that Far Machine had had four years ago, talking about. Well, I probably should talk through Jim White less. Like, it's not proper. Like, ironically enough, it's just like what 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 do you even say say to? It's not going to change. It's exactly the same as it ever was. And at least this time he actually knows it's Jim White's phone number instead of thinking it's Bill Kenwright ringing him up on a withheld number. Honestly, any any more I hear about Farad Mashiri, I'm convinced that the man is a Jim Henson puppet that has been sent here to Truman Show Everton fans. Like, it, it, this can't be a real man. It, it can't... You, you can't be this bad at running a football club. Like... And I've said it, I said it a couple of weeks ago. The terrifying thing for me is he's trying really hard. Like, this is him trying his best to run a football club well. That's really scary. It's not like Mike Ashley just being like, well, you know, I can do the bare minimum and get us by, but if we're in trouble, I can bring us straight back up if I need to. I know what I'm doing. No, no, this is a fellow who's like, I want Everton to be the best in the world ever. And this is how I'm going to do it. And it's just, it, it it's so scary that he is so adamant that his best and his method is what wins the day. That he sacked the director of football who disagreed with the awful decisions and is now undertaking a strategic review while still listening to Keir Jarabchin, who is the main problem and the cause of the strategic review needing to take place, it's just utterly terrifying, isn't it? Like there is, there is no good words to say. It's just been car crash after car crash after car crash. And I sat here after Benitez was sacked, 
And I said, right, make sure there is no farcical appointment now. Learn the mistakes of the last two, three, four managers of going all around the houses, having your dirty laundry bandied about in public. And it's just been done worse. It's gone. It's gone even worse than it did those occasions. Like this is the ultimate one now. I was sat there watching that Vitor Pereira interview, and I was like, "Yeah, put us in the bracket with the Villa that went down, the Sunderland that went down. Put us in the bracket with QPR buying Christopher Samba and paying like four hundred thousand pound a week to him. Like put us in that bracket now. This is utterly farcical. Like we laugh at the likes of your Arsenal's." And your spares about like, oh, well, you know, typical Arsenal, typical spares and all those sorts of things. Typical Everton is setting yourself on fire and just pooing yourself. Like there is there is no, there, there is nothing that you can describe as typical Everton in a, a semblance of normal sporting activity now. Typical Everton isn't losing a football match. Typical Everton is getting a managerial candidate on Sky Sports trying to stop fans from having a go at him for being a crap football manager. It's terrifying. What you've, what you've got to remember, though, is that Bill Kenwright said, other, other football chairman think, what would Everton do? And then they don't do that. That's the That's bit he left off. Yeah. That is the That's bit. Good. That's the bit he left off. I, I have no... I have absolutely... No qualms with that being true. The other football people do 100% sit down and go, what would Everton do? What would they do right now? Let's not do that. Let's do the exact opposite of what Everton would do. That's just the bit he left off because people don't... Make sense when you say it like that. I think soap opera script writers potentially doing a football TV programme might ask, what would Everton do? Certainly. It feels like it's gone. Honestly, the next series of Ted Lasso, I guarantee it, it will at least include one or two things that have happened at Everton in the past couple of weeks. Guarantee if it. This, if this happened on Dream Team, you probably would have thought, nah, it's a bit too far-fetched, that. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what did you think of that yesterday, Les? It was just... I, mean, I, it, it, I, I was sort of watching it, and it, it took, me, took me a while to sort of, to, for it to sort of dawn on me how mad the whole thing was. Like, And it, it, it's one of two things, isn't it? It's... You know, we said just before you were recording there, either Kieran and Far had a behind, you know, sat, sat next sat next to Vito on the couch with the, the Love Actually boards, trying to tell him what to say about former players and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's a, a manager who's been told he might not be right for this job because fans don't want him and he may not get it, thinking, right, I, I, I know what I'm going to do to essentially win this back. I'm going to get on Sky Sports. I that interview just had the other day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> Everybody could see. I mean, it, it, it was only about like five to ten minutes into it. I just thought, oh my god, this, this is certifiably mad. I, I actually missed that. I was out in town yesterday afternoon. So the first I heard of it, I was checking Twitter, and like some verified accounts was with giving Vitor Pereira quotes about Everton. And my, and my heart sank. I thought he'd actually become our manager because he was talking about Everton. I thought, oh my God, if he'd given the job, scrolling through, couldn't find anything. Eventually got onto the fact that he's done this interview on Sky Sports. And I haven't seen it, but I've read the transcript. And it's, it is just literally ticking every box, isn't it? The fans will love this. He's just ticking all the boxes off. Even called them Goodison of Fortress, which is a little bit rum. But um, yeah, it was a really strange thing to do. Unprecedented, I think. But I've seen some journals today saying... Well, surely he's blown it for himself now, hasn't he? And you kind of think, well, he's been put up to this by someone like Jarabchin 
to, to go and do this, to kind of put his, throw his hat back in the ring and placate Evertonians, which he clearly doesn't know anything about the club if he thinks this is going to placate Evertonians. It's just, the whole thing's just utterly bizarre for a bizarre club. Do you know, do you know any other normal football club at this stage, if a managerial candidate absolutely swigs down the Kool-Aid and jumps off the deep end like Vitor Pereira has done, you can immediately say, right, you are discounted. You are not going to be the next manager because I'm sorry, that is just small time and ridiculous and you have made everyone look a laughing stock here. David Ornstein's tweeting that he's still in the running. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> this football club is just, it's just ridiculous. Like, how can, what are we expecting next? Are we going to get Frank Lampard, like, sending in clips to the one show about like his tactical <laughs> formations. And I, I, it just, it baffles me how he could be anywhere near the running. But as, as Les says there, it's, he's been put up to it. And it's quite obvious that he's been put up to it by Jarabjian. It, it's obvious that that's where this has come from. Because Jarabjian obviously knows that Farad Mashiri is a bit stupid when it comes to football. Do you know what? Great at earning money. Yeah, fair dues. He's got a lot more money than I have. But, Quite evidently, he's not very clever when it comes to football. And he it's quite quite evident that that's what Jurabjian thinks and is actually true. So he's thought to himself, right, well, what we'll do is, because it got such a bad response, we'll just get you on telly and we can see and just float the idea that, you know, talk about your football and style, about how much you love Everton and how much you've heard of, like... I don't know, psychopath and, you know, drop all the names, give it, give it, a, give it a good go. And it's obviously hit the fan because as Les says, Keir Jarabshin does not know Evertonians and can only see the money that's in front of his face that he could earn by potentially putting Vitor Pereira in there. He's tried to get in the job every single time Everton have had a managerial vacancy since David Moyes left the football club. And now he's got more and more desperate to the point where this is his big chance. This is the one. If you don't get it now, you're never, ever going to get it. So he's finally done the last throw of the dice where you think, right, Farah Mashir is a magpie. He likes shiny things. Let's go and be very shiny on Sky Sports. And hopefully this is the one that they don't fall for. Like, hopefully it is so blatant and so awful that even he can see that this is ridiculous. But no, he's still in the running. He still possibly could be Everton's manager. The thing is, Mike, as well, is that Farham series, as we know, has got a history for doing business this way himself, hasn't he? You know, of course, on, on Sky Sports News all those years ago, he phoned up to talk about Ross Barkley. On, and, you know, he's done it numerous times on, on Talk Sports. He, you know, it's, it, I think it's a fair assumption to make that this move was from the same sort of playbook as that, wasn't it? You know, it's, it, it, it follows that pattern. But I think, obviously, before we go on to speak about Lampard as well, I think what, I think what was interesting... The town about that yesterday, Les, was that obviously there was a, a protest planned at Gunderson Park for seven o'clock um, by the 27 group. I think the night before, a few wires were crossed and a few, there's a bit of miscommunication there, which people came out and apologised for. You know, some people will write them off entirely because of that, other people will to give them a second chance whenever group you fall in there, fair enough. But um, looked like the one last, last night, aside from one bell end spray painting on Bill Kenwright. Um, seems to go a lot better, a lot more. Not older. actually on Bill Camright. Oh, oh, <laughs> no. Do you know what? As well, he could have at least done a moustache and glasses. 
bathroom, and it wasn't it. If you're gonna do it, do it properly. What what what, what actually was sprayed? Was it just just over his face? Was it? I think it yeah. was just like uh, just the covering of his face. Yeah, his face on the timeline. Yeah. yeah, just silly behavior. Even a, even a cock and balls. Just be creative. Come on. We do not condone cock and balls. <laughs> we just hated on the Amazon timeline. Just a cock <laughs> Um But yeah, it looked a lot better last night, didn't it? See, like the messages getting across. There's a lot of national and local media there. And um, it's drawing attention to the problems at the football club now. Yeah. In a way that it's not really been done in the past. Yeah. And the thing for me is, I think the message is still a little bit clouded because I don't think, I'm not sure communication is the issue because if it is, it's like, what? Well, we'll just tell us why we're rubbish and we'll be fine. The big problem is, is that we're rubbish and the club is being run really badly. And for that, the book stops with Farad Mashiri. Now, people seem a little bit scared to say anything against them, maybe because they think the plug will be pulled on the ground. At this point, I'm not really bothered if the plug gets pulled on the ground, because that is not a pressing issue. We've got a ground and it is fit for purpose. I assume the safety certificate's fine. It, there's nothing wrong with Goodison Park. It will be fine for us. The pressing issue now is staying in the Premier League and this chairman, sorry, not the chairman, well, he's complicit in it all anyway, but that's another story. This owner has run this club so terribly in the last five years that it has spent £500 million and it's in a worse position than when he got it and we could quite feasibly go down. He needs to be getting called out for me. It need, he needs to be getting actually called out because this is his fault. This is his doing. And we can't sort of hide behind the fact that we might get a new ground because it, you know it, it's pointless doing that. So I think, for me, the message is still a little bit clouded because you, know, you say we want better communication. He puts an email press release out. It's like, well, there you go. We've got better communication. Nothing's been solved. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the show for me. But it, it does look like it's picking up momentum and it did get a lot more... It got some national coverage on the news and that, didn't it? Which has got to be a good thing for us because, I don't know, we are, we're never taken seriously. It's always, well, what exactly do you want? So all we wanted was what any club wants, which is just push on from where we were. And that's not happened. And then when that doesn't happen... And it's ha- and the club been run the way Everton's getting run at the minute. You know the medical staff's gone, the manager's gone, the director of football's gone, half the board's gone. I think there's about three people on the board, isn't it? It's absolutely bare minimum. It's an absolute shambles from top to bottom. So you know we, we've got a right to voice our concerns, and and the fans need to. But I do think the message definitely needs clarifying for me. I suppose it's hard, Mike, isn't it? To I, mean, I totally agree with everything as I said there. But it's hard to have a clear, concise message on this when it, when it could just easily be it's all shite. I'm like, that, you know, if, if there's like so many things wrong that people are feeling about, I mean, how, how do you direct and channel all that into one you know, succinct thing with, with a protest? Oh, that's, that's fully the problem with Everton, is that if you wanted to put together a really brief, succinct statement on all of the problems at Everton, it'd probably be three or four pages long. You you be you be right until the cows come home, but I do I do agree with Les to some point that I, the issue is not communication, but I can see why it's written down that way. The issue is that these decisions, these ridiculous decisions, are not being held to account anywhere. And I think the logic behind it, and I understand it, and I'm probably go with it to some extent, is that. Hang on, can you just talk us through these absolutely shocking decisions you've made? It's like when you do something dead stupid when you're a kid and your mum just sits you down and goes, what were you thinking? 
Like, do you want to just take me through? And you sat, you sit there all embarrassed and you sat and you can't even speak. You don't say words. You just look at the floor and you don't do it again because you don't want to be sat in that position ever again. It's about being held to account. Granted, yes, you placate the fans really easily by going, yeah, just talk to us, just talk to us. No, no, talk to us about the shocking decisions you have made, how you came to the process of making these decisions and what you can do to fix them. No, we'll never get that because it's it's too the, the questions are too difficult. But I do understand the idea of communication behind it. Um, yeah, I loved the loved the, the protest in at Goodison Park uh, last night. Brilliant! It just shows that Evertonians don't need martyrs; they just need notice. Everyone's ready to go. Everyone's ready to kick off and throw up a bit of a storm. Like it's it, it's about getting people together and organised, and as many people as want to get their views across and want to actually have a say, you all should be involved in it. It was great. It was great to see that with not even a full day's notice, just getting a little statement with a piece of paper out there, got more than enough people with the coat on and they got moving. It was great. For me as well, this feels like a better way to do it than actually at the game. Like protests at the game, sit-ins after the game. You can take this away from the game with the show last night. People randomly turning up at Goodison Park on a Wednesday night. That's that's as powerful a message as people just sat in after the game. And let's face it, no one can really be asked being sat in after the game. It's all you can do just to get out of there as quick as possible. So I think this this is probably a better way of doing it. Just turning up at, at Goodison Park randomly, lots of people there for no other reason than to protest against what, against what's going on. So yeah, it worked really well. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. Uh, I, think, I, I think the one after the Miller game did work well, to be fair, just, just by virtue of the fact that people were in there and they had banners and stuff, which you could actually see because, you know, the stadium is a bit more empty. I yeah. think it was about a couple of hundred more there. Where, and then obviously it's in, front of, it's in front of the assembled media, it's in front of the people who obviously a lot of these protests are sort of aimed at as well. But I think... I can't remember, I can't remember as you, Mike, who said last night, I think the, the good thing about the one last night was that it was big enough in, in size and, and, and scale and organisation that it feels like more people will look at that and go, oh, that's, there's a lot of people there. You know, maybe somebody was thinking, maybe I'm not going to go down because I might feel a bit silly going down. There's only, you know, a few people there and you feel like a bit of a dickhead. Now there's going to be a lot more people and I think that in itself will encourage more people to get involved. Absolutely. It's a snowball effect, isn't it? And I think that, when you have that sort of starting from the very bottom campaigning, like the very, very bottom, you you have to walk before you can run really, can't you? So maybe with hindsight, the whole walking out of to 27 minutes, you are right. I completely agree. If you're sat there and you want to do it, but you're like, I, I really don't want to be the only person to stand up because I might get loads of abuse la- like launched at me. Fair enough. Whereas if you get like, right, we're all going to meet here, everyone on a, just a random Tuesday night, Come on, and it sort of gives you that bit more security because what, what what's the worst that happens in your mind? There, you turn up and there's no one there, and you go, "Oh, right, fair enough, I'll just go home then." You know, you're not going to get pelters for moving out of a seat. But yeah, so I think it, it was it was a great way to go about it, and I, I want to see a lot more of it. To be honest with you, I, I want to see it everywhere. I think a problem with the in ground ones as well is you can get a feel of how many people have joined in, and then that can open it up to people saying, "Well, look, no one's bothered." So when there's like a couple of hundred people in the lower gladys, that is a lot of people. But in the scheme of a 40,000-seater stadium, it doesn't, it look, doesn't look very much. When you're all gathered outside, you can't really get that scale still. So it's, I think visually outside the ground is, is, probably, is probably better. But yeah, I can, see, I can see there's a place for both. But as you said, Mike, it's, it's having the buy-in in the ground, isn't it? 
walking out on 27 minutes. There's got loads of people would have been feeling that. I want to go, but well, I don't know. I can't be asked getting shouted down or something. So it's it's new for us as a fan base to do this sort of stuff, isn't it? It's fairly certainly recently. You know, and people I imagine who are organising this aren't, you know, used to to doing this sort of thing on the, on this kind of scale and getting everyone involved. So listen, it's gonna it's gonna take a while for everyone to sort of find the best way of doing it and find the best way of getting the message across. But it seems like positive steps are being taken. Yeah. That. Uh, it's it's mad that we've done almost half an hour on this and we're potentially on the brink of appointing a new manager and we haven't even spoken about that's how mad this week has been at Everton Um, and and as well one of our best young players has signed a new contract our best midfield is injured we're not even going to speak about that That, that, that's that's not you know that's not in the grand scheme of things but um, as you mentioned like David Ornstein tweeting there um, Based on what he's saying there, it feels like Lampard and Pereira are still very much neck and neck, which is a bit mad. A bit mad. I think Phil Kirkbride just done a piece from the Echo as well, saying it seems like probably edging towards Lampard. It would indicate from the work on that. Um, but it does feel a bit like more like it's going to be Frank Lampard. Um, is is it is the situation, Mike, now exacerbated by the fact that Everton have got four days to the transfer window closes as well, and they haven't got really any midfielders that can run. No, after that, the core is injured. And you look at Lampard, and I know you've got reservations about him, but is it just important to get someone in who knows what plays he wants and knows the way in which he wants to play? Because if that doesn't dally any longer on this, then we could be looking at Andre Gomez and Alan, and maybe that's it for the next couple of months. Um, yeah, it was just as important, what, 11, 12 days ago when Benitez was sacked, said at the time. You need to get your ducks in a row. You need to be prepared and know what you were doing, which was even more bonkers that he decided to get rid of the director of football who might have had some plans and some ideas and sticking all your eggs in the crazy Rafa Benitez basket. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see very many um, positives with a Frank Lampard appointment, I must be honest. I think one of the few that is that you know that, as he's shown from his time at Derby, is that he will always be there for a Chelsea handout. He's always going to be able to bring in someone from Chelsea, probably on loan. And whether that's, I don't know. I think it'll probably be Ross Barkley, if I'm honest with you. I think that's probably the way it'll go. But if it's someone like that, Ethan Ampadu, you need to get someone. It's just, And it's even more calamitous that Everton have already wasted one of their domestic loans on a winger that they don't need at all. Just any chance that that can just get cancelled. Someone's got to ask that question. I, I really do hope someone asks that question because it needs to be answered. Be, be a Anthony Gardner vibes about him, wasn't he? Oh yeah, it's 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 <laughs> like it's the op- well, it's it's the opposite of the David Unsworth thing, you know. <laughs> <You're> just, yeah, <laughs> as well, yeah. <laughs> like we've we, we've waited to come full circle, and there you go. We've got the opposite David Unsworth, hopefully, because they really need those two domestic loan slots. They need both of them, and they probably need both of them on midfielders. Let's be honest. If you can get rid of a winger and a winger's wages out of the squad, if you can terminate that loan and just bin it off, then you really, really do need to do that. But yeah, that's obviously another argument for another day. It's more about Lampard now in it, and just. Yeah, the, the the scary thing for me is that we can sit here and we can talk about, like, yeah, maybe you'll be able to do this, maybe you'll be able to do that. Who knows? Maybe Mishiri will change his mind in three hours. Maybe maybe Jirabjian will show him something else, something shinier. Maybe he's got a reflective Mark Hughes jacket or something that he can just waft in front of him. 
Hughes is one of his clients, not clients necessarily, but he has worked with him in the past, hasn't he? God, he's, he has close relationships and close ties to Mark Hughes, which is why I'm very, very surprised we haven't heard Mark Hughes' name mentioned at all as of yet. But yeah, uh, I don't even know how my gut feels about who it's going to be anymore. You can't really have gut feelings with Mashiri because they change every 10 minutes. Probably the same as his. Like, your gut feelings tied to his because it's constantly changing and changing. But yeah, Lampard, if he does come in, he's he's going to have to have his ducks all in a row, whether it's the likes of Deli Ali, whether it's uh, whether it's an actual holding midfielder, which is what they need. It, it just he's going to have to work, and he's going to have to work quickly. If we're talking about possibly making a decision tomorrow, if you go off what Phil Kirkbride's been writing tonight, then that probably means that what you'll get a day, maybe seventy, maybe forty-eight hours, if he's really lucky. But Jesus, it's going to be um, it's going to be a bit of a squeeze. Yeah, and that in turn leads us to being held sort of, you know, hostage by these clubs, doesn't it? Who we're looking to potentially buy players from or get loan players from. So we're in that situation again where we're in January and for one reason or another, we're probably going to be paying over the odds for, for players, which has obviously been one of the issues that's led us into this position a few years ago. Exactly, yeah. You, you kind of think back to uh, the January when Alvice took over. And we lost 50 million quid at Tosin and Walcott. It, it's that kind of situation coming up, isn't it? Potentially. Could be with loan signs, but then even again with loan signs, club might just look at us and think, no, I'm not doing you a favour. Especially with the Premier League clubs. Um, you know, obviously, I like to Chelsea not a way out of our sort of stratosphere of where we are at the minute. But they shouldn't have any issues loaning us players if, uh, if Lampard comes in. And I've seen people talking about Gilmore, but did Norwich have to let him go? I don't know. It's, it's all up in the air. Mike said you can't you can't second guess any of this. Um, the positives for me for his Lampard is the fact that he's worked with young players and he seems to do that well. The negatives are I don't really know much about him as a manager. He, you know, he, people say he did well at Derby, but he should have done a lot better with the side he had. He did okay at Chelsea. Then um, the second season he didn't do so well. He doesn't strike me as a particularly inspiring character, even though he's won the absolute lot with Chelsea. He doesn't strike me as someone who can really get out there and inspire players, especially players who aren't at Chelsea. At Chelsea, you could see maybe he had that because he would have had that aura of an absolute legend at Chelsea. At Everton, he's just some fella who's always scored worldies against us. And that's it. So it, he won't... Like, I think about if, if Wayne Rooney came in, like people are saying, well, he hasn't got the experience. He's done he's done well at Derby, uh, relatively speaking. I think he kept them up, didn't he, last season and could keep them up again this season, which would be an absolute miracle if he did. Um, not much managerial experience, but he, he would still have that aura at Everton, whereby he was at Everton at the start of his career when he was arguably at his best. He did go on to become one of the world's best players. There's something more about that. And just, just to go back to the experience thing, um, I was looking at, at some stuff the other day and Howard Kendall only had two years of Blackburn before he took over at Everton. So, it, you know, it doesn't always translate that you need top-flight experience or X amount of years experience. You look at Steven Gerrard as well. Did, you know, did well at Rangers after no other managerial experience, did he? apart from Liverpool's under-18s or something like that, doing all right at Villa. It's just it, it's about finding the manager that fits, and that's something the club have not done consistently since David Moyes. All right, Martin has fitted, but he was such a head case as a manager. He was just his own undoing there. 
So it is about finding a figure that fits. And Frank Lampard doesn't feel like he really fits at Everton, if you know what I mean. It, it can be that basic. Yeah. When, when Howard Kendall was, was announced as manager in 81, now we had a few years where it really wasn't going well. But he was, you know, an ex-player, legendary player from the uh, 69-70s season. Um, went on to have a, a football career outside of Everton. I think of Ben, who was player manager at Blackburn. No one would have known what sort of manager he was turning out to be there. We'd had a, we'd had a desperate decade in the 70s. We'd gone from Harry Catterick to Billy Bingham to Gordon Lee. All totally different managers, all pretty much failed in the 70s. And we took a punt on Howard Kendall. Now, no one would have known what sort of manager he was or would have worked, but it did. And, he, you know, he fitted he fitted the club because he was all about Everton. And that, for me, would be that would be the tipping point for Rooney with me. Now, I know a lot of people would disagree with that, and it's fair enough because he is an unknown, but I don't know. There's something about Frank Lampard. He just doesn't, doesn't fit right at Everton. I don't know what it is. Might be the fact, it might be the fact he's an actual active member of the Tory party, let's be honest. Might be. Like you can you can say you can you know, and, and I know you, there'll be people listening and watching this you'll scream that it, they don't they don't care about it and that's fine you don't have to care about it I'm not asking you to care about it but I care about it I don't really want an active member of the Tory Party managing Everton it clashes with the values that I hold that my family hold and I don't like it and for me it will it's it's it, it's just as bad as Benitez for me. Like is I don't really care about the small club thing. I don't really care about the Liverpool connection, but it meant he had less time for a lot of people. It'll mean the Frank Lampard has a lot less time and patience off me, whether it's subconsciously, because I don't hold any I don't hold any similarities with him. I have nothing in common with those ideas. I, I don't like them. So straight away it makes me immediately less likely to back and get behind him. Don't worry, he wins football games. Yeah, fine. But you know when he goes on one of those winless runs, which he will do, you'll probably get less time from me. Whether it's subconsciously, whether it's consciously, I don't know. But and that'll be the case for some people, maybe quite a few people. Um, if you if it doesn't bother you, that's fine. But I'm saying it'll be divisive. It will. John Holder got ultras will be all over it, by the way, across the bar. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course they will. Oh me, yeah, you know, you can guarantee if I get leather that I'm field in a few weeks and he's in charge then. That's that's what they're going to be singing, isn't it? You know, amongst other things. But it's what's the story, Frank Satori? That will be sung at Anfield. That, yeah, it will be. And it's it's just it's the situation we're in, though, isn't it? As well, Mike. You know, there is there is no good candidate, is there? Yes, yes, there are. Well, let me rephrase that. There's there's no good candidate that is being considered by Everton. If you look at the reports, that's that's where we are. Well, do you know, do you know the thing for me is well, that... Let me just, just one second. When, when you've got the setup we have at the moment in terms of the owner and Jurabachan effectively choosing the manager, and when you're in free fall in the Premier League, then the options are never are never going to be ideal, are they? That's, that's the sort of corner we backed ourselves into. Well, of course, the options are never going to be ideal, but you do the best with what you've been given. And Everton are not doing the best with what they're given. They haven't done the best with what they're given for a very, very long time. Whether that's through transfer policy, whether it's through managerial recruitment, they haven't. It's it's as simple as that. You can look at any of their failed managerial appointments. So there were better candidates out there every single time that have gone on to do and be very successful, even in clubs that have been just as basket casey as Everton. You just... 
you look at this one now and you have Greg O'Keefe with The Athletic, who obviously a very well-sourced fella is talking about Lucien Favre having discussions without the Everton hierarchy. Like, I'm sorry, if that man's in the building, you employ him. Like, it's not that difficult. If he's willing to sit down and have a conversation about it, it means he's willing to take the job. He's doing interviews left, right and centre or being ready to get back into management and a fondness for the Premier League. Like, it's not rocket science. You look at the job the fella's done before of being in this exact situation before, by the way, and keeping um, Brucey and Mönchengladbach, I think it was, up and actually progressing the side very, very well. Just... It's not a hard choice. Even then, if fine, if he doesn't float your boat, Nico Kovac is out of there, recently sacked really unfairly at Monaco. Another very good manager who's done very good work at mid-range clubs like Everton, when you look at the likes of Frankfurt. It's just, there are managers out there who speak fluent English, speak very good English. It's not that, that language barrier is not an issue and have proven experience in very good leagues of doing things with a club the similar size of Everton in this situation. It's not difficult. Those managers are out there. Whether you, whether we sit here and we think about, like, well, would they come to Everton or not? Would they not? Well, fine. If it turns out that these fellas would flat out refuse to come, sound, but it doesn't sound like that. From the way that each and every piece has been framed from very different journalists all around the place, it's whether... Nico Kovac is in the frame, Lucien Favre is having discussions, those sorts of things. And they're conversations that have been had for years. I think Lucien Favre has been interviewed for the Everton job three times now, if he's been interviewed this time, that is. It, like, it, just, it baffles belief how you can get to this point of not thinking outside of such an incredibly dull box that they live in. I don't understand. And I think, it, is it just because they have ignored their director of football because we all know that the director of football last summer wants a Graham Potter. Marcel Brands wants a Graham Potter to come and manage Everton. I think that would have been a good appointment. I think it would have been a good choice myself. But they ignored him and went with, obviously, the Benitez shout. It's just... It's a very dull, stagnant box that the Everton leadership live in. They don't seem to have any ingenuity or any sort of logical thought with these appointments. And I think this is where the protesting thing comes back to the idea of communication. I'd love to get just the thoughts on actual proper candid thoughts on the idea of Rafael Benitez as a manager or Vitor Pereira as a manager. I don't care if it doesn't happen. I'd just love to know how you could come to that conclusion when you look at well, he said it himself. Like his CV does speak for itself. Yeah, mate, it's shite. It's just <laughs> terrible. Maybe like, they just need their good PowerPoint presentations, mate. You know, because the, these interviews seem to be centered very much around that. Apparently, Rafa knocked it knocked it out the park in the summer. You know, star yeah, wipes, star wipes everywhere. Graphics on the different fonts. You know, just. Yeah. He was on Canberra all morning getting it sorted. I reckon he managed to put in a couple of transparent background gifts in and everything. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, it reaches the point where you you think that most Evertonians, well, not most, there are some who I've seen who are just as pretty down about disappointment as I am, because I think it's a terrible appointment. And I think the fact that Vitor Pereira has been such um, such a prominent candidate and it looked like he might actually get the job has made a few people go, Jesus Christ, well, at least it's not him. I think you've got to kind of step back from it and see that, no, it's actually still a pretty, pretty um, poor appointment when on the face of it. You look at a manager who um, 
didn't do that well at Derby despite getting Premier League caliber loan players in from Chelsea for very little cost. Um, the idea of working with youth, I think, is a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, you look at the likes of of Tamori, who he had on loan at Derby and used quite a bit at Chelsea. And then as soon as he had the first chance, he bombed them pretty much out the squad, didn't really use them very much. The only ones he seemed to use were um, Reese James, who, yeah, well done. You've used the best right-back talent of this generation at right-back. That's amazing work. Well done. At a time when your right-back is aging to the point where he can't run anymore. That sounds quite familiar, actually. But, yeah, <laughs> well in. He's just spent the season before on, on loan in the Championship, making Championship players look like conference players. It wasn't the most difficult thing in the world to see that he was a well-beaten right-back, and he's gone on to prove it quite easily. And the other one, obviously, is Mason Mount, who he seems to have a very weird affinity for but it was I'll give, it, I'll give him a lot of credit for the way he developed him no I think I won't because I, I, no I think that's I think that's a little bit unfair. I think I think I think he, he did work really well with Derby and he came back in and he he, he made them sort of a centerpiece that, that Chelsea team and you, you even watch them now when that lad's not playing. And I, and I don't know I'm not quite sure what it is but they don't function anywhere near as well enough about him in the side. He, I, I, I don't think I don't look at Malton and feel, feel like he was destined to become a top, really important player. Absolutely. I feel like but you he, know what? I feel like he really helped him along with his development to become the player he is now. And I, do you know what? I will absolutely go with. He has a hundred percent been a big boost to Mason Mount's career. He has done wonders for him. But it's. Not, I just don't think it's a massive coincidence that in the months after Frank Lampard left and Thomas Tuchel arrived, that we all suddenly, outside of the Chelsea bubble, all suddenly went. What happened to this fella? When did this happen? Because we all did this probably about three, four months into Tuchel being at Chelsea. It's like, where has this come from? Because he hasn't always been this good. I, and I just, I don't think there's a coincidence there that properly good coaching from a properly good coach makes a massive difference. And yes, I will fully give you that Frank Lampard will have done well to bring him on. But the idea of this oh, works with youth and develops them to such an elite level, I just think it's a bit of a misnomer. I don't really see it, if I'm honest. And that's before you even get on to the whole Chelsea thing, which was just... It, it, what was it? It wasn't that good. It wasn't very good. Like, we look at the idea of, oh, yeah, we had a transfer ban. Well, they literally bought Eden Hazard's replacements the January before, who came in on loan that summer and Christian Pulisic. Like, they've done that. He, he didn't get no players. He still got players. And then when he had the chance to get players, he got them, had them in ninth position, and not enough of is made of this. That team that he left in ninth position won the actual Champions League that year. Like... He's never on the level of Tuchel, is he? We're never no. Tuchel's another one who's battered his eyelids at us, and we've completely ignored him, because this club... Has just got a history of making terrible, terrible decisions. Um, it's, it's just, it doesn't matter who's running it. It's just terrible decisions. Philip Carter replaced Howard Kendall with Colin Harvey. Ridiculous decision. Then we went back to Howard Kendall after Colin Harvey. It's ridiculous. Case in point as well, Jack made this as well. If you're worried about the Tory shouts, we've literally got a stand named after a massive Tory. Yeah. Which is a pain in the arse. It I is. And we don't like it. I know. But so, so that's the point is, yeah, like we can't convince stop. me now, convince like, me now, get him out. Exactly. See, it's like we can't stop these things, but we don't like it. 
Like, yeah. it's it's not an argument of me going like, well, he shouldn't be Everton manager because he's a Tory. It's like for me, I wouldn't have him there because I don't like it and I don't agree with the values of it. But it's not because he's a Tory. It's because he's so vociferously, blatantly Tory. Like, yeah, we're under no illusions that a lot of footballers will vote Tory because it suits their affluent nature. It suits mm-hmm. them. Like it does, that's the way it is. But to be so like, oh yeah, I hold Tory values. I yeah, yeah, I I was asked to stand as a member of parliament for the Conservative. Get out. Get, I don't want that. And you know, I I don't like that. It's gonna have no bearing on whether he gets appointed as Everton manager. And that's fine, because you know what? Yeah, it may maybe you'll win some games and people will be happy. But when he does go on that winless run, people will turn, and that will be one of the things that people turn on. I'm with you on that now. Yeah. Get him gone. <laughs> but it all goes back to the idea like if people are listening to that and they are screaming out screaming just into the void at me i'm not asking you to care i'm not saying that you should care about this if you don't fair dues to you it's not my problem it's just i do that's it there we go um, didn't even speak about style of football or <laughs> 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 but what is it what is this like can you tell me what his style of football is this is what I said before I have no idea how he plays what sort of a manager it is nothing you look at someone like Mick Greenall obviously is a lot better at look at a, the actual ins and outs and tactics of football than we are because we just scream at players and <laughs> go and have drinks whereas he sits and watch the Bundesliga at like 2 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday night um, and he retweeted an, uh, an assessment of um, Lampard's time at Derby and it, as a reason not for Chelsea to employ him. And it was looking at it, it was, it was like the obviously some people are going to hate it, but the, the XG was so low compared to what they actually had. It was, you can look at it and go, well, you can pinpoint the exact moments that Harry Wilson or Mason Mount score a wonder goal to dig them out and get a result, as opposed to like good play, progressive play, actually scoring goals with a coherent plan. It's kind of what Everton have now. It's just a, a, a player will turn up, whether it's Damari Gray, whether it's Richarlison, a player will turn up for a game and get points single-handedly. Kind of what we have now. It's what we're trying to move away from. We're trying to get towards having a coherent strategy of how to score goals because we've got we've lost it again. We had it for about three months under Ancelotti, where we're like, it's an Everton goal there. Yeah, okay. We've lost it again. I couldn't tell you what an Everton goal looks like. And that is the absolute panic station setting that we have. I think we talk about it every time there is a calamity, Matt, is that you know it's bad because it always gets back to that stage where we sit down and go, Well, I can't tell you what. An Everton passage of play looks like anymore, let alone a goal. There is there's there is nothing that I actually know as to be that Everton. And I don't see Lampard having that defined style or progressive play that's gonna go, oh yeah, he can create that because he's not really managed it anywhere. So nah. Just, no just, just just on that that thread you mentioned, I'm not I don't know, I don't want to sound like I'm a Lampard acolyte here or anything because I'm not. But I think it was David Hughes who Retweet is saying, in fairness, the first season he had at Chelsea, the XG he had on that, I think they finished fourth or third that season. I think mm-hmm. in the case that they should have been really close to Liverpool, they would have run away winners of the Premier League that season. So we sort of had XG was against them at Derby and they outperformed it. They sort of underperformed it the year after. So, I mean, yeah. that, that just makes you even more, you know, clueless about what a style of play is, doesn't it? I mean, who knows? Who knows? But... 
listen, like Mike said, by the time this goes out, it could be Mark Hughes. It'll be Mark Hughes, everyone. <laughs> Which will be even worse. Would you, would you have Mark Hughes or Lampard? Um, burn it down. Burn it down. Again, we do not condone arson here on the Blue Room. No arson about. No, hey, there we go. That's that's the title. <laughs> that's the title. Um, but we'll leave it there. Uh, cheers to Mike. Cheers to Les. Uh, let us know your thoughts on anything this week. Have you, have you ever phoned up someone and regretted it straight no, away? Loads of times. Oh, yeah. There's a mailbag question. No, I can't. Right there. Yeah, I can't. Might as well delve into that a little bit. Have you ever phoned someone up and regretted it? Yeah. Have you you ever drawn a moustache and glasses on someone anywhere? Um, Like in real life, yeah. Yeah. Have you you ever (laughs) seen someone in real life? Like, yeah. They were were, were very asleep and yeah. Oh, did you use permanent marker? Yeah. Oh, heavy. I didn't do the draw and I was just an accomplice. I found a marker. Right. Did you like just sort of hold the person down? Or? No, they were very drunk and asleep. Oh, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Right. Um, let us know the answer to all those things. And of course, what you think about Frank Lampard potentially being able to manage a protest and anything else. So, yeah. Been an eventful one as ever. Cheers to Mike. Cheers to Les. That has been your weekly show. We will speak to you again very soon here on the Blue Room. Take care. gas prices go take a hike toyota is the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years the toyota hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power and savings with style not to mention top tech to help keep you connected plush premium interiors and the most advanced toyota safety features so now you know who you're talking to toyota the number one retail brand for electrified vehicles for 22 years with a hybrid or electric vehicle built for every driver. Seriously, dear gas prices, do you really think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Find yours at toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Based on manufacturer estimates, see why 2000 through 2021 sales. Podcast Network.